Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and Truth to Power on YouTube. If you've been with us at Raising Equity, you know that we've done a series of interviews that were actually prompted because my child came home and was sharing with me some of the rampant homophobia that was happening in school, and not just in school, but on the video game he's playing and and I was at a loss for how to support him. I mean, I, I had some ideas. He was clear that that wasn't going to fly in our house. But it made me go down a road of asking people who actually identify as L- LGBTQ and who have the lived experience. Because here I am, a cisgendered heterosexual woman trying to figure out how to support my son who identifies as heterosexual and help him be an ally or be an accomplice and stand up. So I backed up and said, okay, yeah, like I can't do it all. Let me get help. Let me talk to people in my circles, in my community. And so that's what we've been doing. And part of our community includes the school. And so we often sometimes feel like, oh, uh, in some ways, oh, the school does its work and the home does its work. And, And we don't always talk to each other to know what's happening and how to support each other and use some of the same language. So given that I have a strong relationship with the school where my child is, um, we have here with us today the principal of their school. So Dr. Nicole Evans is principal at City Garden Montessori in St. Louis, Missouri. And welcome. Thanks so much for joining me. So glad to be here. I have lots of questions like, what are you all doing? How can I support? Um, But maybe just to back up and ask, how do you see homophobia showing up at the school? What are some of the examples? I mean, I know from what I hear from my one child, but you see all of them. How is it showing up? I do. Um, It's what I will tell you. It is a difficult subject to attack. And I say that to say we're an A-bar school. All of our parents know that. The people in the community, A-bar meaning anti-bias, anti-racist. When people hear the word racism, they are all over it. Most people are ready to fight. They're ready to go in. They feel like racism is wrong. And then when we say, well, don't forget about that first part, anti-bias. And that's when we talk about homophobic uh, behaviors, attitudes, and people are like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You mean that part of equity too? That part of equity too. It's easy for people to get behind racism. This is the part that challenges people and stops them in their track. And why do you think that is? That in a way, St. Louis in particular has become a place where you can walk in a room and talk about racism, maybe even say white supremacy, and people don't fall over themselves. It's actually becoming part of the language. People are understanding how it happens systemically. Why do you think people aren't understanding how heterosexism, right, propping up heteronormativity, the assumption that man-woman pairings are the norm and and superior. Why do you think they aren't able to get behind challenging that system? I know it's a, it's an issue for St. Louis in particular. I think people have very strong views. People believe that the family unit needs to be a man and a woman. I think people have those views. Like people have those views everywhere. But in St. Louis, that is really challenging for some people. I'm from here. Um, i born and raised, educated here. All of my degrees are from institutions here in St. Louis. And so I love this place. And there's work to do. Um, our, us being an ABAR school, people say we are not the norm. And honestly, sometimes I take that as a compliment. And that should not be something that is said in, to a school. Every school should 
have ABAR as a part of its mission. When I talk to people about that, um, they come to our Color Brave conversations that are solely based upon race. Uh, They support us when we say Black Lives Matter. And I'm not saying that they don't, but there was a situation um, with a child. um, I'm going to talk about last week. This was a child in um, second grade, and she called a student, uh, a young man, gay. Um, Part of what is challenging for us is we talked about this earlier, in video games, in the community, using the slur, that's so gay, is so prevalent. It's part of the colloquialism that folks use. It is used as an insult. And so because we train our teachers and develop our teachers, the, com- the very first conversation that was had in my office with both of the students is, well, tell me about why you use that as an insult. And what if this student is gay? Is there any, there's nothing wrong with that. So we equip our teachers to have those kind of conversations with students, yet it still comes up. We talk to our students. Um, we work with them about accepting everybody. We say at City Garden, everyone gets to be whomever he or she wants to be. We have um, children who identify as a boy or male wear dresses every now and again, and that is okay. We have made it an environment where we believe we've made it an environment where people are safe to do this. And And yet. Yeah, yeah. and yet. And so I want to just name the fact that I appreciate you being honest because sometimes people uh, have a feeling of like, oh, well, if we're doing this work, then we need to keep a a clean facade and like nothing's going wrong. And so I appreciate you being honest because you are are speaking to the fact that it's in our world and our society. So of course it's going to show up in our schools. And so we need to tackle that. Um, how do you make it a safe environment? Like, is there explicit education that the kids get explicit lessons, or is it just that you equip the teachers when it happens to support challenging it? We try to do a little bit of both. Okay. So, um, most often, um, as in most schools, a lot of times you just aren't prepared for what will come up. And so you find yourself being reactive. And so what we've tried to do and be intentional about is being more proactive. So at the beginning of the year, we talk about that. Everybody gets to be whomever he or she wants to be. We do have sex ed. And in our sex ed and health classes, we use, um, which is kind of getting a little bit on the older side, we uh, the gender bread. Mm-hmm. So it is a gender bread person. And we talk about how your mind and heart and your body may feel different and may be different, but what's in your heart is what's most important. You may be born as a boy, but you may identify in your head and your heart as a girl, and that is okay. So we do some of that as developmentally appropriate. Our school is preschool through eighth grade, so we don't start at preschool with this kind of uh, information, but we do start in uh, our lower elementary classes, which is first, second, and third grade, talking about that, saying, we will accept everybody for whom, whomever he or she wants to be. Um, in our hiring practices, uh, we have staff members who might, who are, quite frankly, um, on along the spectrum in terms of gender, in terms of uh, a partner that they may have. It could mm-hmm. be a same-sex partner. We have those. So what we say is this is our world. This is the world. It is representative here in our school. And we honor 
what people would like to share about themselves. We encourage our adults to share that about themselves. Mm. In terms of being um, a school, we know that now the new three R's are relationship, relevance, and rigor, right? We're an educational institution. We need to be teaching them. But that first one is critical. And I put relationship first because I think that is first. What relationship you have with the children. So we don't overshare. We don't say, well, we went on a date last night. Like, it's not that, right? However, we do share, I'm your new teacher. I am your principal. My partner is this person or that person, mm-hmm. my children. Like, that is important to bring into the classroom. Absolutely. There was actually a, just a study that came out that kids learn from who they, who they love and who cares for them. And they learn from teachers who have a relationship with them. So that's that's spot on. Um, one of the things you mentioned, you mentioned the gingerbread person. Did you know that there's a there's a gender unicorn, but now there's a gender elephant? Okay, no, that I is didn't new. either. I need to I need to <laughs> well, hear the, more about the that. distinction. Is you've you've talked about it a bit is how sexual orientation and gender overlap and connect in so many ways yeah. that we've been socialized around around gender and and heteronormativity, so that those those are those are inter intersecting in lots of ways. Yeah. And so the the gender elephant talks about how both sexual orientation and gender are on a spectrum. So the gender unicorn has sexual orientation on a spectrum, but gender as male, female, or intersex. Whereas a gender elephant has them both on a spectrum because research is suggesting that, that that's the case, that it's not a even a, a triad of I identities. That. Yeah, that it really is a spectrum. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I just, it is a struggle. And one of the things that we also try to do is we look for literature. We look for stories during our read-alouds in classrooms. Um, it is important for us in every A-bar aspect, including race, including family makeup, including gender, including all of those things. You know, children need to see themselves. We always say window and mirror. If it is not a mirror for children, if it's not your family, you need to be able to look out of the window and see what other families are represented, what other biases might come up and say, this is okay. This is acceptable. I don't even like the word normal, actually. I know it's normative, right? But I don't like the word normal. What's normal anymore, right? Whatever your family happens to be. That's what's normal, mm-hmm. right? And that, it's great to hear because my kids are a little bit older, so I don't always know what's happening at the younger grades yeah. and what's what they've what they've taken in. But I feel like um, what I share, what we share in our family, is is aligned with what the school is sharing. But I can imagine not every parent feels that way. Not every parent so feels that do, way. So and how do you hear about it's that? It's rough. It's really rough. And what I will tell you is, I've started doing something that takes a lot of time. What? Any new family to us, I meet with them. Oh. And I talk to them. Every single family takes a lot of time. It really does. I bet. And I say, this is exactly what we mean when we say a bar learning will happen here. These are the families that we have. We have two mom homes here. And if that is something that you cannot support or you feel strongly against, City Garden is not the school for you. So as much as we need students and families in our school, I invite them to choose another school if they are not ready to have their child hear about these things, discuss, hear stories about families that look differently, and to know that if their child should make the mistake, the choice, the weak choice, as we call it, 
of using something like that, calling someone gay, calling something gay, that they will be called out on it. And there will be a consequence for it. What are the consequences? So some of our consequences, again, age appropriate. It depends on what they are. Mm -hmm. Like for that one student, I'll be in particular, who's a second grade student. We had a conference in my office, right? Everybody knows going to the principal's office means that this is serious, right? Although I have a relationship with my students, I don't want it to be based upon fear, but I do want them to know it is serious if something has happened and you show up at my office. We had a conversation about it. The teacher talked. I talked. We talked about that. We also let the child know we're going to be contacting your parent, which we did. And then the student had to actually do a research project to do a report again age appropriately she's second grade and talk about the damage that can be caused and why being gay is okay but the damage that can be caused by using that as a slur as an insult and really getting underneath that and then talking about it so what we try to do is inform and we also try to repair So we also talked about how will you repair this damage with the student that you called this to? So I think that's what's important. And what most schools, I hope most schools are striving to do is that restorative justice piece. And so, of course, an apology and of I'm accepting you. This was a third grade student. That student doesn't identify either way, actually, like gay or heterosexual. They're like, Girls are icky, right? (laughs) But he's like, I don't like anybody like dating anyone or liking anybody. It's not even in my purview at the moment. So that was challenging Mm -hmm. as well. And were the parents supportive of this? The parents were very supportive of this approach. And also knowing that the parent wanted the school to know this is unacceptable. The parent actually attends our A bar work and is saying, I'm trying to get into this too. And really, honestly, having a really candid conversation with a student saying, tell me where you might've heard that. I know there's a danger in that. A child could say at home, my parents use that, those terminology all the time. But for us, we want to know because that helps us know where do we, where do we begin to break this down? Where do we begin to dismantle the thoughts and the feelings and the idea? And for this student, that student said, I saw something on TV. And so that gave mom, aha, uh-huh, let's talk more about where you saw it, where you're hearing it, because we're working on dismantling this, these kind of conversations as a family. It's not acceptable in our family. So again, really having conversations to figure out how to support the family in something when something like this happens. And I appreciate you saying that because sometimes people feel like, oh, well, if a kid is saying it, they must be hearing it at home. And that's not always the case. It's It's really not. not. Sometimes kids are saying things because they heard heard it in some other domain and they're trying to fit in. They're trying to be cool or they don't even know. They're just throwing it back at someone. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I know even with my kids being called racial slurs, I don't always assume that it's the parents that the kid heard it from, right? That we have to give each other a little bit of grace. And that's part of what raising equity is talking about. How are we adults in the lives of kids to cultivate an equity mindset so the kids can be aware of these dynamics and be able to analyze them and, and then be able to do something different. And the reality is as adults, we don't all have those tools. We don't. We really don't. We really don't. I agree with that. And then really 
for us not also sensationalizing our response to it. Mm. So I think that's important too, not to be, oh my, I can't believe you did that. Because right. then you begin to work on a child's self-esteem. Right. To shame them. To so shame just, them. It is really key and critical not to do that. Right. So just to be clear that here are the consequences. This yes. is what we do and that what we don't do. And, teachable and that's moment. that. It's a teachable moment. Teachable Let's move moment. On. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully you learned. Yes. And us continuing to look for curriculum that supports it. Right. It's not easy to find curricula out there that shows you how to do it with young children, which is why I appreciate this work that you're doing because people are asking and it's time. Yeah. It is time. And, and just time to figure out how do we have the conversation? What does it sound like? What does it look like? Yeah. What are the competencies over time? Yeah. And what that actually brings me to the next question that I wanted us to think about is what I have found is a balancing act is I don't just want it to be about don't be mean to someone because right. of their sexual orientation. Don't say, right. don't, don't say this. Don't, right. I don't, I don't want it to just be about that. I want them right. to also see the larger system of heterosexism. Yes. Our laws, our policies, our norms, the ways in which people who are on the spectrum of, of sexual orientation that is not rigidly heterosexual get condemned in our society. Right. And so do you have any suggestions or examples of how that learning has taken place in the school? I think um, that's an area that we're actually working on mm -hmm. because it is hard. There aren't a lot of books out there. So I would say like children's authors get busy. Like mm. we need help in this area of having books that reflect these families, having stories. Um, what we do for our students who are struggling with this or working with this we reach out and we have people come in and talk to our students or our families regarding this. Like we just open it up and we make it okay and acceptable to bring up these topics and to talk about these things. When our students, our upper elementary students, um, I think in your son's room, did their Black Lives Matter mural, well, March, they also, all of this is just such... Um, it intersects so much. They created a mural because they have been hearing from many people what America should be and what America looks like. And we talked about all the ways in which people are marginalized. And sure enough, uh, a student said, we have to put LGBTQ, we have to put a representation of that. And so we really do follow the child. And so when the children said, yeah, let's hear more about that. So again, bringing family members in to talk about it if they feel comfortable with it. Um, we always, always offer our families a choice to opt out. We do that. Yet we've said to them, you need to expect that we are going to be having these conversations at City Garden. And so if families decide to opt out, we honor that. And I also Again, I have a follow-up conversation with them and let them know, can you tell me more about why you opted out? Like, I'm not condemning you. I'm not um, questioning your morals, to set, so to speak. I just want to know about what helped you make that decision as we are on this journey. So what I would say, Kira, it is a journey and we haven't quite figured out the best way to do it. But and I, Yeah, and I think you know, that some parents, like you mentioned, you know, what made you opt out? I think some parents assume 
that to talk about sexual orientation is to talk about sex only. And so they think, oh, my kid isn't ready for that. Yeah. But I can tell you from people that I know in my life and from people that I've talked to in this series, folks know who they're attracted to, usually at a young age. It's just like, have you given them permission or space to to express that? So heteronormativity is alive and well. I remember not at City Garden, but at at the school where my son was before, there was a a holiday party and they had paired the kids up to dance in this holiday party. Mm. And they had done all boy-girl pairings. Wow. Ooh. And so I had yeah. a deep breath of like, this is where That's the heteronormativity deep. starts. I mean, it probably had started before I saw it manifested. But to me, that was an example of how schools can further, can say that they're open to kids yeah. identifying on the spectrum yeah. of sexual orientation. But then in this choreography, clearly they're showing them what's the right way to be paired. Yeah. And for us, we do things like we ask our kids, what pronouns do you prefer? We ask them. We have students who's, who have said to us, they, them, theirs, right? And so people, which is about gender, right? Yeah, and they're, it's connected. but It's it, connected, and people find that hard to separate, actually. It is. I think it, sometimes yeah. it gets conflated as yeah. if it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not thing. the same, but it's, re- it's related. It is related. It is related. So we start there, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, that's a place... Before they're choosing who they like or who they date. And because we have this A-bar focus and this openness, students have said, I think I like her. And that student could be a girl themselves. And so we go, nice. Okay. So when we have conversations, um, we, I would say we check our words closely. We check our conversations um, as students get older, even our alum who come back, we don't ask them, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? We say, are you dating? Do you have a partner? So being intentional about leaving it open. Imagine a child who has chosen to be with someone, and they're still children to me, um, of their same sex. And I say to them, do you have a girlfriend? And it's the it's the boy. How awkward is that? And I'm someone that they look up to. And so they have to make a decision at that point. Am I going to be honest? Or am I going to say what I think Dr. Evans wants me to, wants to hear? So if I choose my words wisely, do you have a partner? Are you dating? Right? That leaves it open for them. So even in those little things, you know, who's at home when we're learning about families? We don't say mom or dad, your parents, who are your parents, who supports you, who do you live with? So even in our conversation with our students about their families, we leave it open. We leave it open for them to tell us who they are and not make assumptions about what's happening in their home. And that seems really important to not make assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. So you've given us a lot to think about. If there's something that you could say to parents that would support the work that you're doing at the school? Yeah. What would you ask of parents? I think I would ask of parents, be open, support your child, support their learning. Let them know it is okay. Every family structure is normal. Like, I hate the word, you know, when you're talking about people and families and situations. And you get to be who you want to be. You get to love 
who you want to love. And so I think us taking that judgment out. And I think the other piece that gets tricky is religion. When people have strong religious backgrounds and if anything, I would like to say to the religious community, um, every religion, every God, every is about love. I've never heard of any religion that tells you to hate anybody. And so I wish they would extend that to whatever situation is happening in terms of partnership in the home, you know? So I would say, Be open, be loving, be accepting of your child and the choices that they're making, be accepting of the friendships that they're having. And so I would also say, have these conversations often and early. And if there were one policy, Mm -hmm. uh, say if someone is working at a school and and wants to know, okay, we want to take a step to be as affirming as you all are, are, what one policy or norm in the school do you think they need to adopt? I think they would adopt. I mean, one really easy one is having non-gendered bathrooms. I mean, you know, in terms of gender, um, again, accepting families as they are. I have heard horror stories about families being uninvited to schools because there are two family homes recently here in St. Louis. Same-sex family homes. Same-sex family homes. They have been uninvited to those schools saying, because of what you believe in and your family structure, your child will not be successful here at this school. Stop that. That is hate. It is disguised, but it is hate. Oh, thinly disguised. How is it disguised? Oh, right. <laughs> right. You're right. I guess you're right. But oh, my. I just, that maybe, has maybe to the sense stop. That they think they're trying to help them. I don't know. Avoid. I, ooh, they have to awful. stop. They have to be open. I would say... Uh, get in the work. I would say watch Raising Equity. I would say watch this podcast. I would say learn about this. Um, Schools are based upon antiquated models in many ways. And this is one of them. We need to accept our families as they are. Non-gendered bathrooms, accepting, accepting, loosening your dress code. If a child who identifies as one gender wants to dress in another gender, that should be okay. You know, again, the gender, that kind of overlaps. Mm-hmm. It's hard to separate the two mm-hmm. gender and, you know, heteronormative mm-hmm. um, families yeah. and conversations. Be open to those conversations. Build a relationship with your families and these things will come through. That relationship, that's key. It's important. Yeah, relationship important. is important. It's important. And I'm 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 glad that my child's school is willing to have these conversations and can support my family and trying to make sure my kids are yeah. trying to do something different yeah. than than perpetuate the homophobia. Yeah. yeah, really. And we bump our heads like we're not perfect. That, we bump our heads, we hit roadblocks, and we open ourselves up to it. I have conversations with people. Um, folks have. Um, question my morals around this. So you're going to let a same-sex family attend this school? Is that what you personally believe in? Oh, I've had many courageous conversations and I'm going to stand strong and stand firm, continue to do that. And I say, yes, I am. And I invite you to attend another school. (laughs) I always 
put an invitation mm-hmm. out there because we're not going to change. Mm. We firmly believe in this. Our children need it. Our families need it. They need to see that this is okay. I know I'm sounding preachy. I <laughs> I don't mean to, but this has got to change or we're going to be looking at an America that we don't want, that is not reflective, that our children were passing along many things for their generation. And this is something, hey, I do not want to pass along. Yeah. I don't. And this is a way to do it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, the work that you're doing in the school um, and your support in trying to eradicate homophobia and, trying to. And, heter- and heterosexism. There's not a week that goes by that a homophobic comment doesn't emerge. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that is good for people to hear. You know? I think it's good for people to hear because they, they assume that, oh, City Garden's doing this great work, that they're not, immune to it or that it's not no, happening. It's no. happening, but you're willing to, to work deal against with it. it. We have to. Yeah. And yeah. we and yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. So if people want to support the work of City Garden, maybe even donate to such a place that's doing great work. How how could they do that? Well, come to our website, www.citygardenschool.org. Look me up. You can email me, Nicole N I C O L E at citygardenschool.org or stop by for a visit. Please join us in our color brave work that we do. Just come on up, um, donate to the school. Absolutely. That would be awesome for you to do. You can go to our website. There's a way to do that on there. And just stay in the work. That's what I would encourage people to do. Stay in the work and join us as well. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for joining me in Raising Equity. All right. Thank you. Thank you.